Thank you for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. As host, I have had the privilege of meeting a number of individuals that have shared fascinating stories from their experiences in the pre-COVID, COVID, and now in the expanded COVID period. Out of 220 podcasts to date, many of my guests have highlighted their commitment to help a variety of charitable and social impact agencies. Examples of two such organizations that have recently stood out to me include, first, the In From The Cold charity that Abir and Aya Al-Qadri from A to Z Liquidation support. They were my guests on episode 220. Second, the Brown Bagging for Calgary's Kids is just one charity that Matthew Andrade and his family business, Gentleman Rogue, are supporting. Matthew was my guest on episode 200. Take the time to consider donating to either one or both of these organizations. Brown Bagging for Calgary Kids can be found at bbck4.org and In From The Cold has a unique website, onesmallgift.ca. Once again, thanks for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. Have a great day and stay safe. Good afternoon. Is that Jeanette? It is, Alan. How are you? I'm terrific. Thank you, Jeanette. Uh, And welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Jeanette, we have a huge agenda. I've looked over my notes from our chat. I I just don't know where to start. So I'm going to just tell you this is episode number 233. Okay. and, And you have the agenda to tell us all about, you know, Northern Star Milk well, no, I'm looking to let you introduce yourself and your company because your foundation, whatever you want to call it, because it's terrific. So please, please go ahead. Great. Thank you. Um, my name is Jeanette Festival, and I'm the executive director and co-founder of a charity called Northern Star Mother's Milk Bank. That's a mouthful. Yeah. That, that, that's a mouthful for the babies as well. <laughs> it is, <laughs> literally. So, okay. So, so it's, it is a charity, an official charity, but you're, you really do a lot of in the community. So let's, let's start there. What, because I think you did a pivot from oil and gas or something like that. You were doing something before you became a mother's milk uh, bank. Yeah, I uh, actually worked in the oil industry for 10 years. I worked for an organization called uh, Home Oil. Yes. And I started off there as a reservoir technologist, then went to joint ventures, um, international and then corporate planning and uh, had my two babies and decided that that didn't get me excited and make me jump out of bed in the morning. (laughs) So I actually went back and got a nursing degree and decided after having my two children that I really wanted to be in labor and delivery. So um, I trained with the midwives and then I actually ended up uh, working in the hospital in labor and delivery and postpartum and natal classes. Yeah. Yeah. So that I just basically just rerouted and uh, took something that interested me more. So was that the foothills or where was that at? Yeah, I worked at the foothills hospital for about 10 years. Wow. So you had the oil and gas. I mean, those are those are two big, I mean, mainstay oil and gas, but even the foothills is like this iconic structure now they've, they've, they've morphed into used to be those old brown buildings. And now it's like glass and flyovers and all kinds of cool stuff up there. It is, it's, it's getting big and it's a teaching hospital and it's a great place to work. So you, 
so you stumbled across because you were in the prenatal, neonatal, and it was just like there was a pivotal moment where you said, "Mothers need milk, and 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 mothers have milk to give." Was it there's something like what what was that pivotal point? Do you remember? Sure. Yeah, I um, actually went to a conference, uh, um, uh, ILCA conference. It's for lactation consultants, and it was in San Diego. Yeah. And there was a speaker and they were talking about milk banking, which was um, much more common in the United States. I, well, I think at the time there was maybe 11 milk banks and uh, they served all of the United States. And we actually had one in Canada and that was at the Vancouver uh, Women and Children's Hospital. Yeah. And uh, I know our neonatal intensive care unit um, they had done some research and just on the benefits of human milk and especially for preterm babies right? and babies who were ill. And so they ordered some from the hospital and they noticed right away that there was the, the health of the babies uh, improved and they were actually able to pull tubes out of them, like feeding tubes. They could tolerate their feeds better and they were sending them home earlier. So they ordered milk a couple more times yeah. until that milk bank said, sorry, we don't have enough for our own hospital. We'll have to get it someplace else, yeah. which, which was non-existent and which was so wrong on so many what levels. Year, to put that in perspective, what year was that? Do you remember? Oh my gosh. So that would have been about 12 years ago. So that would have been 2008. What year was that? 2008. Uh, yeah, about yeah. Actually, it was two thousand. It was about two thousand and seven, uh, and at the same time that 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 happened, um, the Canadian Pediatric Society for well for Canada had said that if um, babies uh, babies who are ill or preterm, if their own mother can't breastfeed, that the next best thing is donor human milk. Wow. And then and then as well, there was a, a baby. There was actually three things. And the third thing was that there was a baby that came from BC and was at the children's hospital. And uh, she was palliative. So yeah. she was going to pass. And uh, she was about 11, 11 months of age. And her name was uh, Anya. I'll never forget the story. But the mom, when she, Anya needed a feeding tube and uh, put directly into her stomach because she lost the ability to swallow. So the mom actually was feeding the baby. Uh, her production, milk production had decreased. So her friends in BC were, were helping her friends and close neighbors were actually pumping and feeding the baby yeah. extra, but she, she couldn't bring that much when she came here. So um, the hospital actually let her put um, an announcement on, I think it was CBC radio, just stating that um, she needs milk. And if anybody had extra milk, cause, could they please drop it off? And so the next day, I think she had 20 liters of milk. And at the time, I didn't realize that a woman's body could produce that much. And so, you wow. know, we were starting to see a demand and the supply was definitely there. So I just kind of connected the dots. I just thought, you know, if this doesn't happen right now, it's never going to happen. So that was the impetus to to get moving on this. But you know that 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 the CBC announcement today they call that crowdsourcing, and they use the internet. Yes. You know, and so I, I think 2007, I think that's a pivotal time when the iPhone came out, and I think you know I'm not saying connecting it directly, but it's not it's not surprising. You found out about the clinic in wherever it was in, you know, in, in, was it Florida? 
you know, and, uh, San, San, San Diego, oh, San Diego. Is actually were at the conference. Yes. You know, and these things, these things have, a, uh, I guess, a connection. So then you went to Austin. You said you, you couldn't really find anything here. So you went to Austin to study. Was that the? Yeah, I um, actually contacted the executive director of the Austin Milk Bank. And yeah. the reason I did that is basically there's two kinds of milk banks that screen and, and approve moms. And one of them is hospital-based. So of course they're situated in the hospital and the hospital basically funds the milk bank. Yeah. And then there's a community-based milk bank. I really wanted to get this up and running quickly and community-based milk banking just seemed the, the best way to do it. And all that involved was setting up a charity. All the milk banks need to be charities. Uh, if you want to belong to the, uh, Human Milk Banking Association of North America. Right. So I had to be set up as a charity and I had to do my own fundraising and basically pay the bills. And um, so that just seemed um, like the, the smoothest way to go as far as finding the money and setting things up. Yeah. So I actually, uh, we, my business partner and I, Anne Marie uh, O'Gorman, we traveled uh, down to Austin, Texas to study their milk banking. It was a bigger milk bank and it was very successful. And uh, the executive director was, oh, she just helped us tremendously. She was very warm and inviting yeah. and really helped us a lot. So we went down there a couple of times just to study the model. And then the second time we went down, she opened up the books to us. So we're able to study, you know, how Wonderful. this could be possible. And the reason we picked Austin, um, Alan, was because uh, the demographics are very similar to Calgary. So population size, it was about the same. Sure. It was a, a younger crowd. They were professionals. And so after going down there, we thought, oh, my goodness, we can do this here. And so we did. You know, we were able to secure funding fairly quickly and um, enough to get us off the ground and get us started. So it took us about, I think it was about 15 months uh, to do all the research and get charitable care status from the CRA or not, uh, sorry, um, Canada. charity stat. Yeah. But isn't that critical? Because all that you just talked about, I didn't hear a charity and, you know, I heard a business, you open the books. You needed to think of this, you know, the cost to get started. So it's, it's very much a business. I'm, and you've been doing this for, what, 12, 13 years. It's very much a business. Well, you know, in the sense in that we have to pay the bills yep. and we're, we're, we have to balance the books. Yes, it is. And um, it's a charity because what we what we get back is not quite enough to pay the bills. So, so you need donors uh, we, and so forth. To help yeah. Us. So we need financial donors. I mean, we need... Um, we need milk donors and we need uh, financial donors as well, too. So it's a combination of the two. And uh, so through all that, there's just a lot of uh, balancing that has to happen. Whereas if you're in a hospital, um, it, it's kind of paid for by the province. Yeah. And um, so it's a little bit different. OK, so let's I mean, I, 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 we can balance all over some of the ideas. But, you know, that initial did you need to approve because it's you're dealing with healthcare. Do you, do you have to have a license as a nurse? Does this come into play or is this more of getting approvals to actually store, buy, store, whatever, and, and deliver milk, uh, mother's milk? Is it... 
Yeah. So we don't, first of all, we don't buy milk. It's, it's actually sure. donated okay, yeah. right by moms. Yeah. Um, but um, that was a, we thought that was going to be a bit of an issue uh, because I've got a medical background and Anne Marie uh, was the former CFO for uh, stars helicopters. Okay. Um, it was, and most milk banks are started or run by nurses um, some, some are not, but the majority of them are. So we actually had the, I did present to the Foothills hospital and they were extremely supportive of it. And we just couldn't open up fast enough for them. So we had the backing of the hospital. And of course they were the, they were the first to actually use our milk. And, you know, they came in, they did the tour. We showed them the paperwork, the testing, I mean, I didn't reinvent the wheel here um, with belonging to our professional organization. They told us how it had to, had to be run, how we had to screen donors, yeah. how we had to test the milk. So we followed those and we got accredited by them. And so once we got that accreditation, I mean, they're, they're the world leaders in milk banking. Um, and Wait, the, so accreditation once we came got... from, the accreditation came from the Foothills Hospital? No, it came from the professional organization. Oh. Um, it's called, the acronym is HIMBANA, H-M-B-N-A, Human Milk Banking Association of North America. So once we got their blessing right. and we could open, um, we were basically legit, you know, people, hospitals knew that we could, uh, we could actually, we're all using the same methods and it was a safe it was it was a safe place. In fact, the Canadian Pediatric Society states that if you're going to use milk other than mom's own milk, it needs to be through uh, an accredited milk bank. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. So let's let's go because the name I want. There's a little bit of a backstory to the name and the Northern Star. As I said, it's a, it's a mouthful, but you had a different name before, and you you changed that. And there's a little story there. You, could you share that, please? <laughs> Yeah, we first opened up as uh, Calgary Mother's Milk Bank. And the reason we did that is that was how the naming convention for milk banks in the United States. Yeah. So Calgary, the location, and it's a mother's milk bank. So it, uh, but how hospitals and donor took it as Calgary Mother's Milk Bank. And so it, they felt like it belonged to Calgary. It was for Calgary. <laughs> and so we, we started, we started, Amory and I had a, had a plan yeah. that we would start the milk bank and we would, you know, take, uh, we would take orders or we would let hospitals within a certain radius sign up and then we would slowly grow and it was funny, as soon as we opened, we sort of got slammed by hospitals going, okay, we want milk, we want milk. But some hospitals uh, didn't contact us because they didn't realize that they could have access to it. And the same as donors. So we, we you know, we have donors from all across Canada, yeah. but it wasn't until we changed our name that that actually just exploded on us. That's crazy. And so it's just like this, they thought it was just for only Calgary mothers for both donors and uh, receivers. Yeah, yes, that's sure. correct. So yeah. yeah, so now um, I think our first year we had um, 100 donors. And with the name change, um, I mean, it's been a few years, <laughs> it's been it's been four, four, four or five years now. But last year, we had well over 800 donors sign yeah. up. And they're from all over Canada. And um, so it uh, it really proved to be beneficial to to change the name, 
So we change it to Northern Star and it's just basically, there's no boundaries, right? Everybody everybody sees the Northern Star and we just didn't want it, you know, defined by, you know, I don't know, the great, you know, the milk bank of the great mountains or something like that. We thought, you know, it took quite a few of us coming together to come up with Northern Star. But you said, Star. so was it your daughter that uh, helped that, that uh, naming? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't know you were going to bring I'm that sorry. up. But, um, I'm calling yeah, you out. Actually, I'm sorry. You're... <laughs> no, that's okay. Yes, it was actually my, my youngest yeah. daughter, Megan. I, you know, out of frustration, we actually hired a consultant to come up with yeah. a name. And, you know, she's coming up with things like, you know, the lighthouse. And we're going, okay, wait a minute. We're in landlocked Alberta. That's <laughs> that's not going to, that's not going yeah. to work. So out of frustration, I just said to my daughter, if you can come up with a name that just completely makes sense, then I will pay you for sure. that. And boy, you know, being young and in university, she uh, she came up with with two or three of them. And when I asked her the reasoning behind Northern Star, she explained it to me. And I just thought, that's it. You know, that's that's going to be our name. And we are the most northern milk bank in the in north america so it just made sense to well, that's true. That. I, I i really wanted to share because i thought it was a great story the name it wasn't yeah, just you kind of through the dartboard you, it really has you know resonates well and it and you said to your point yeah. you've got 800 donors across canada now so i want to talk, talk about that donors because mm -hmm. shipping you know you always watch the tv shows and whatever and they're, you're don you know donating uh, organs is it that how, you know, is there a certain temperature and time period it has to be if you're shipping across Canada? Is it? Yes. So typically to ship across Canada, it takes a day by FedEx and, and sometimes two days. So the donors will use one heck of a lot of gel packs or they will use dry ice, oh, okay. which of course ships at minus 70 wow. degrees. So, um, so that's, that's basically how we ship back and forth. And we have, um, you know, we have milk drops. So we have, uh, and really they're, they're milk depots, but we like to call them milk drops. Doesn't, doesn't quite sound so industrial. <laughs> and it's just basically, it allows moms in certain areas, instead of, you know, bothering with shipping, yeah. they, can, uh, they can bring it to one of the milk drops and the milk drops collect the milk in a freezer. And once their freezer gets about two thirds full, then they'll pack it up and ship it to us or our courier. If it's within Alberta, our courier will go and pick it up and, and bring it back to the milk bank. You know, you just, it just reminded me of as a kid growing up in Calgary and, and the, those milk shoot, you remember, I don't know if you remember that, but I know, do the milk shoot, right? <laughs> the milkman would come and he put it in and if it didn't open, yes. he'd leave it outside and the bottles would crack and break. Yeah. That imagery can play yes. well in, with old guys like me, but um, yeah. <laughs> But it's not quite like it's not quite like that. The milk drop is not or that. Yeah, yeah so. not 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 quite. But it's it's kind of the same concept, right? It's just it's it's the shipping, it's the logistics, the supply chain, and it uh, it was quite a bit involved to set it up. But I but I think we we've kind of got it nailed right now. Do you piggyback piggyback piggy bank? Do you piggyback off of of other agencies, say like the food bank or some? You know what I mean? Is that is that a natural fit or no? Um, not really, um, just because of the fact that about 85% of our milk goes to hospitals, yeah. to the neonatal intensive care units. So it's, um, it's, it's a little bit different that way. And the other 15%, it might go to another milk bank that may be short, 
or it might go to uh, moms in the community for their babies um, who need it. So a lot of times these babies are on donor milk once they're in the hospital sure. and it's paid for them by the hospital. But once they, once they go home, um, our insurance companies are not picking up the costs. So um, the, the families need to pick up the costs and it's very expensive. Right. Alan. I mean, it's, you know, typically when you have a baby, you don't bank on, on paying that. Um, and so uh, we'll have, um, you know, like a, we have a, a big community care uh, program that where we have financial donors and organizations will donate. And so we can actually um, supply milk to these babies. And then we have moms who, you know, we just this morning, I had a mom and she had a, a mastectomy and and a newborn baby and um so you know we we try to help those moms for the first couple of right. weeks just just until their baby gets stabilized and is able to tolerate formula a lot of babies can't tolerate formula it's made out of cow's milk and um if you have a baby with that's born premature and they receive cow's milk it's like their body goes whoa i don't know what you just put into my body but i don't recognize it like my own guts aren't even um, mature yet and I, I can't process this. So we'll definitely, uh, if babies have feed intolerances and they get very ill, yeah. we will we will actually help out those those families as well too. That's incredible. I mean, just thinking, I, know, I want to go back to that supply chain and kind of distribution because I wasn't saying that, that mm-hmm. you had to be the agent. It was just my thought, well, because you know, when I spoke with James McCara, at Calgary Food Bank, and I, I realized that they just really are a machine, a well-oiled machine. And I guess you are yes. too, to that point. Maybe yes. early on, say if I was to start one today, I think, wow, they're 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 set up for that distribution. And I think if yes. I had Loris Lourdes Swan on from um, Leftovers Foundation, and she talked about they set yes. up an app for delivery. It was called Fresh Routes or Fresh Roots, and it's you know that kind of just optimized their delivery, but. I, I'm not sitting there. I'm not suggesting. I just thought, wow, you're also, it sounds like you've got that already, that supply chain figured out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we have to, right. If we're shipping across Canada, we have to make sure that the milk remains safe. And um, so it's a big part of it. And, uh, but like I said, it's, we've, you know, it took a few years and, you know, sometimes we've lost milk, but, but overall, um, I mean, most people and even FedEx, when they see where it's coming from, they're they're pretty good and in in you know moving the milk through quite quickly. So let's talk with some of your partners. You you said I think you mentioned you've got thirty four hospitals. That's surely that's not just in Calgary because that seems that I don't think we have that many hospitals in Alberta. That must be across Canada. Then yeah. your partners are across Canada. It is. It's it's all throughout. Typically, we don't um, we don't supply um, Ontario or BC unless unless there's not enough milk. Then the hospitals will come to yeah. us. And uh, but we supply hospitals on the east coast. And um, where a milk bank is is you need a lot of breastfeeding mums. And often with the east coast, um, there's you know it's a smaller population. They're more scattered, so the logistics are a little bit more right. difficult. And so um, it's actually you know starting a milk bank costs a heck of a lot sure. of money. And so it's it's easier for them just to pay the FedEx and and we ship to them about once or twice a month. And but we cover all the hospitals on the east coast, and um, yeah. 
So it's in across the prairie provinces. And like I mentioned, sometimes in hospitals in BC and Ontario, if there's. Um, so they're just separate. Why, why is BC and Ontario? They're just, they have their own massive uh, food banks or, or uh, milk banks. They do. And the um, they're run by the province. So it just makes okay. sense that the provincial hospitals get their milk from their own milk okay. bank. So I, I have this vision of a, the stork delivering the milk across, you know, just <laughs> delivering the wrong milk, you know, the wrong baby. But, you know, those those Fred Flintstones, uh, those cartoons. But it's not like that. But the FedEx is it's interesting because, I mean, FedEx did run a, a funny commercial with a big pigeon. I don't know if you saw that one. And that. There, I didn't, so it was, a, no. it was a really funny commercial and the pigeon was delivering all kinds of products. We're really working the supply chain well. And then he had, a, he picked up a car and dropped the car down below. <laughs> and so that stopped, it stopped oh. the pigeon delivery. It was a massive pigeon. Anyway, I, I just wanted yeah, to check it because yeah. you, you reminded me of that. So look, yeah. Um, so the freezer, you mentioned something about freezers and you're, you're, you just need freezers. Is that, is it still a dilemma or is that something you, do, you deal with all the time? Oh, boy, I just had a big freezer delivered yesterday. Um, so when we moved to our new location three years ago, we built a, um, we had a big freezer installed. It was, I think it's 18 feet by 17 wow. feet. And, um, and it's just, I mean, it's filled. And right now we have a bit of an issue there. We have so much milk. And I think what it is, is there's, because of COVID, a lot of moms are at home. They're not you know, they're not rushing kids off to daycare, they're right. not running into work. So they're at home. So they have the ability to pump more milk for us. And boy, Stop. are they ever doing a great job. I and mean, we have some moms that are upwards are donating upwards of 100 liters. And that's after feeding their own baby. So you can just imagine, I mean, they, they actually put their bodies into oversupply. Yeah. And uh, they have the ability to do that. And they do that because they, you know what, they really want to donate to the milk bank. You know, they see the health of their own baby and they want to share that health with other babies that uh, might not have that advantage of, of mom producing milk for them. So it's, uh, it's really amazing. I mean, it's, we are the milk bank, um, but we never take credit for what we do. It's, it's really our donor moms. I mean, if it wasn't for them, there would be no milk bank. So we're just, we're just the conduit that gets the, you know, the milk safely from the mom pumping to the hospital. But um, the, like I always say, like our moms move, they move mountains for us. They really do. You know, and I, I have to say, since you and I chatted, I've watched your Instagram handle. And I think yesterday there was a post, there was a, it looks like an IV bag, which was handwritten message. And it, I mean, I'll let, Oh yeah, please yeah, share that. a milk bag. Yeah, because it seems like the stories, and I've I've got some thoughts on that from our discussion. But the stories from the mothers seem to be really critical here. Oh, you know, it is. Um, I mean, the one of the main reasons our moms pump for us is it comes straight from the heart. Yeah. And um, it, you know what, it's for some moms. We have a lot of moms who are bereaved, so they've lost their own baby. And of course, their bodies do a cruel thing, even though there's a baby there, their body still produces yeah. milk. Yes. So a lot of moms find solace and purpose in pumping that milk and supplying it to the milk bank. It's uh, it's it's a way of grieving for them. And uh, and they're actually able to find solitude and not solitude, but they're able to find meaning yeah. for this loss 
And um, so we have a lot of moms who do that. And oftentimes when, when moms, when they're, you know, it's their last, their last donation and uh, they'll write little notes for us. And, and just, oh, it's just, it's so touching. Like they're heartbroken and they tell uh, you for opportunity and for thinking, you should be thanking you. It's just, it really is. Uh, I mean, we have so many stories in these words and it's, you know, we have a big wall walls and it's a big ghost story and I've seen it on our website and it's basically all into a star baby that's passed and has donated her for us for something um, you know and that baby comes back to need it so you know I'm Hi, Jeanette. Oh, hi, Ellen. Sorry about that. I'm not quite sure what happened. No, we lost the link there. So I wanted to let you go back over that part, part because it was a really important discussion on the mothers giving milk after bereavement or you know when their 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 baby passes. So I'll let you, please 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 go over that again because oh, okay. the line was yeah. really bad. So um, a lot of our donors are moms that have lost their babies. And, um, and as I yeah. mentioned, um, what they find a lot of, um, you know, uh, donating their milk is part of their grieving process. And so what they do is they milk yeah. that was meant for their baby that is now gone. What they'll do is they'll actually pump their milk and donate it to the milk bank. And uh, a lot of these moms, they find meaning, they find a reason to get up in the morning and it helps them make sense or it's value to, yeah. you know, something that was meant to their, for their own baby. So what we do is we actually uh, have ceramic stars with the baby's name and the day they were born. And we, we hang them on the wall on this big mural. And it's surprising. Um, we've had people come from all across Canada to visit the wall. And it's, you know, in a way, a lot of these babies never left the hospital. So nobody ever really got to mean that or meet them. But having that start the milk bank yeah. it, it's it's of significance to them so it's it's really quite touching no that's incredible so that you call that the bereavement wall uh, is that... yes okay and then you have a separate you have a separate wall called the wall yeah of fame. is that just just every baby is that every no baby it's that not um so what we do when we were giving tours of the milk bank um a lot of people would ask um yeah you know, um, where does this milk go? A lot of our donors would ask, well, who exactly is this milk going to? So we have uh, five, uh, maybe six, six stories of, um, of the babies that we've helped. And it's, it's really quite, uh, it's really quite touching um, what is on the wall. You know, we've got a picture of a one pound baby um, who's actually quite healthy and doing well now. Uh, we've got, uh, yeah, one pound baby. Yeah, and the and the picture sure. of the baby wow. is on dad's chest, so he's doing skin to skin with the baby, and uh, I mean, really, he's yeah. the baby's the size of a pound of butter, and um, and then there's a picture of the baby at uh, at a year of age, and it's just remarkable, and the baby's the baby's doing wow. so well because the baby had access to human milk. Um, you know, 15 years ago, a lot of these babies wouldn't make it. Um, 
they would develop something called uh, necroticizing enterocolitis or NEC for short. And, um, and that's where pieces of their intestine um, get infected and can treat it with uh, heavy duty antibiotics. And if that doesn't work, then they end up taking out pieces of the baby's intestine. And then of course you end up with lifelong anomalies. So we know if those babies use donor milk, the chances of that happening is, uh, is reduced by 70%. So, and that's just from the use of milk. So that's how important this is. You know, we like to think of the milk as it's not just a food, it's medicine for these babies. And, um, so yeah, so that's what makes it so valuable and so important. So is it is there a point in the, where tech comes into play and that because that data it sounds like you're creating a wealth, a wealth of data in terms of that you know recovery rate if it's does it change or does people talk about that or are you getting are you are you mining or what do you call it, the words but this, keeping that tracking that data um, that you know that data that data is already there Alan there's been a, there's been a couple um, studies in the US. Um, we don't, we actually don't have access to the, the data. The milk bank does it. So once it goes to the hospital, we don't know who the milk goes yeah. to. It could go to 10 babies. It could go to one baby, uh, you, you know, one, right, if it right. was, if it was very preterm babies, they might get 10 mils at a time versus a baby who's in maybe let's say low blood sugar sugars in for observation they might get several bottles, you know, over their stay. So um, these are these are studies that have been done by researchers, and you know, we get reports from the hospital as well. You know, we were in a very yeah. we were in a good position because um, we didn't we didn't have that information because hospitals weren't using um, weren't using uh, donor milk. So now that they are, um, it would be great for a researcher to, to go in and we don't have the capacity to do that, but it would be a great PhD or master's uh, level study. Well, I mean, I'm thinking this, this puts your, let's put your oil and gas hat on the reservoir data yes. that you're going to get, right? You're pulling that. Clearly the benefits of having that down, you know, for that data supporting you and sort of, you know. There's the rational, there's the emotional side, which you very, you guys, wonderful job of that emotion. But the rational side is those statistical numbers that the, whoever it is across the Canada, across the globe, they're making decisions on that kind of data. And so 15 years of empirical data, it's nice to do a study, but literally you have 34 hospitals that are using this how their statistics change. And I'm not, I know it's not your no, problem, but, no, like, but wow. it's, it's, imagine if you, yes, if you it's, it's great that. feedback it is. And, um, and we, we know, uh, I mean, hospitals have reported to us, you know, as far as neck, they used to get several babies uh, a month that would be facing that. And now yeah. it's, it's rare, you know, they very rarely see it. And it's, you know, we, if we can prevent neck in a baby, that saves the healthcare system hundreds of thousands of dollars. And um, so we know it works. We know babies are sent home on average, I think it's two weeks earlier from the neonatal intensive care unit. So it's, uh, it's huge. And uh, we just need a, a great Canadian study. And I'm sure um, we'll, we'll have that shortly. 
No, I just yeah. The, I mean, empirical data. And I think I guess yourself, you just you probably just look at the the number of donors, the number of hospitals, the statistics on your leaders. I mean, the volumes that you know in and out and and sort of that. But that's where yes, yes, you. that's that's that all right? I I I personally yeah. have access to. Yes. Fair enough. No, no, I just because I guess it's that that size, it's the privacy or the privacy or the the the, the beneficiary that the hospitals keep that. But I think, wow, I can imagine you're 12 or 13 or eight, whatever it is, the number of years, the volume, the leaders yes. and, and the correlation to that, as yeah. you just said. What you're oh, yeah, we're, we're just nice nine years in now. And pretty much all the hospitals across Canada are using donor milk now. So uh, Toronto uh, started one year after we did. And of course, BC has uh, been there gosh, forever, uh, 40 plus years anyways. So yeah. yes, definitely it's, it's ripe. It's ripe to, to get those statistics done. So I like, you know, I'm switching gears a bit, but your social media side of it, it's you, somebody's switched you on or, you know, it's incredible. And, and, you know, the, the stories are there. You've talked about your wall, but there's a wall right on Instagram. And, and for those that, that are not, not can, need to find you. I think this is incredible. There's your pictures do a th pictures say a thousand. Yeah, it's it's it great, you know, and it's our there. website is great. It's uh, it's very um, detailed, and anything you want to know about donor milk, um, if you want to make a financial donation, that's the place to go as well too. But it's uh, you know milk banking is relatively um, new to to Canada, so it's it's important that uh, that we let people know that we're safe and we're available for almost anybody, for almost any baby. Yeah, and you, you mentioned something about that when we talked offline about the donors. You don't seek to find donors. You encourage people to come. And how? what's the typical, like, I mean, if you're not marketing to, to get donors, is it word of mouth? It how is. Are, are um, it's a lot you? of it is just about all of it is word of mouth. Um, but also too, the hospitals do a great job in supporting our cause. Uh, they carry our brochures. So every mom that has a baby, um, they get one of our brochures and the package that goes home. We have posters in public health offices. Yeah. So uh, the, the hospitals and the healthcare system have been wonderful in uh, promoting the milk bank. And so often um, our, you know, doctors, you know, with this mom this morning that had a mastectomy, um, you know, both her cancer doctor and her family doctor or the midwives actually directed her to the milk bank. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty wonderful to see how the word is getting around now before, you know, when we first started, it was like a milk bank, like, what the heck is that? And we even had doctors saying that they had no idea where now it's more commonplace. Yep. So you're like that checklist, right? Literally, I remember we still have, we still have pamphlets from our daughter was born in Edmonton years ago, and it's like that checklist of here's things to consider. The healthcare nurse comes and they talk to you. you know, you're one of those checklists. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's you know, we, pro we probably are. You know, you mean, know it's yeah. uh, definitely. I mean, if a mom has oversupply, um, she's googling, looking to where what she can do with with the supply, and our name always comes yeah. up. So we get a phone call saying, "Hey." You know, I Googled you and we do collect stats on that. And um, and I found you and can I be a donor? And then they go through the process and they end up becoming donors. 
oftentimes if a mom, if a baby, sometimes babies uh, in the uh, in the neonatal intensive care unit, sometimes they just need our human milk for maybe for a day or two until mom's own milk comes in. And yeah. oftentimes the moms are like, hey, you know, yeah. this milk helped my baby and I want to pay it forward. So they actually end up becoming donors for us. And so a lot of it is that it's, it's you know, these, these mom groups, you know, moms who have babies, they get together um, with well, used to, it's all done virtual now, but, and yeah. And these discussions come up, <laughs> yeah. we, we offer free breastfeeding classes. So um, oftentimes families will come to the milk bank, we give the class and it's not to recruit their owners. It's just to, it's just to make sure they're successful in their own journey and we don't want them to access the milk bank if they don't have to, right? It's, I mean, we're very pro breastfeeding here. So sure. we do what we can to help them. A lot of times moms will, moms and dads will come and get one bottle, you know, just in case they're at the hospital and the baby needs milk right away. And their, you know, their bodies haven't quite caught up, you know, having that security of not having to use formula takes a lot of pressure off of them. So, you know, they don't have somebody standing over them saying, you know, if you don't produce enough in the next half hour, we're going to have to supplement your baby. And so if they've got a bottle of our of, of, uh, donated milk there, then they can go ahead and use that. So it does take pressure off of them. Yeah. And then for the premature going, you know, I just think the premature baby, you know, that, as you said, to their stomach and their stomach health and that it's more natural because the nine months or whatever months it was, they were with the mother and then suddenly, as you said, to this, it's a foreign to bring in, uh, you know, milk, uh, cow's milk or whatever it is. It's a, it's a, it's a strange form. It's, it's your body fights that. Well, it does, you know, in human milk, as you know, because you've got your, your own children that were breastfed, it's, you know, the human milk offers, um, you know, immunological or immunological properties. It offers, you know, immunity. If a mom has a cold or she has the flu, as she's pumping her milk, those antibodies are being passed on to the milk. And, uh, and if she donates right, that milk, right. it's great. You know, we get to give it to, to other babies and it, it's a passive immunity. And yeah. um, the milk is also very easily digested. There's very little waste. So the baby can digest it with ease. And, and that makes a huge difference uh, to the babies as well. Oftentimes with formula, Alan, you'll see added this, added that. Uh, but the issue is, is the baby wasn't meant yep. to digest that. So oftentimes it just passed right through their system. So it's, it's all marketing is what it is. And geez, all they really need is just the milk that they were meant to digest. Wasn't there, I mean, this is just not really related to you, but it was something in the news probably 10 years ago and there was some tainted Oh formula. yeah, it was you know, in, I think was that was under- in China and it was... And they added melamine plastic to the yeah. formula just as a filler. And so many babies got sick. And, um, you know, it was so unfortunate. But, you know, oftentimes with formula, if somebody makes a mistake and the milk is distributed, well, we've got yeah. a huge problem. I mean, you can, you can go on the FDA website and see how many recalls there are for formula. It's uh, it's huge. There's the the sure. powdered formula presents a problem because you can get bacteria in there. Powdered formula can't be sterilized, so then you've got a whole you know that milk actually isn't allowed in the hospitals because it can't be sterilized. So 
you know, with human milk, you don't have that, right? It's, right. it's, it's made by a body for another body. You know, it's, um, it's, we don't, yeah, it is. That's, I mean, incredible. So that, so the food, the food side of it doesn't come into play. It's more of just the health. As long as you've been certified, your processes make sense because you're passing from how, I mean, is it a natural, like, I know just that process of when the mother from the mother's hands, there's that, that could get spoiled. How do you, do you test, does somebody test it, randomly test it? Well, we don't randomly test it. We test everything. So it's, uh, you know, in, yeah. Yeah. So, so in our, in our labs, when we get milk from a mom, we, before we use it, we test it raw to make sure that uh, the bacterial, there's not bacteria in there that should be in there. And then after it's pasteurized, before we can dispense it, we, we have to test it again. It goes to a third party lab and, uh, and they test it over two days. And if the, you know, they plate it on agar, they incubate it. And uh, if that if that milk shows any bacteria, then we can't use it. We can use it for research. We can, yeah, okay. you know, yeah. you know, we try not to dispose of it. But unfortunately, some of the milk, um, some of the milk does get contaminated. So then we can't use it. So it's very safe that way. And uh, we actually analyze the milk here as well. So. Um, we analyze it just so we know that milk going to the to the hospitals is of a certain uh, caloric content, and uh, you know you just think a one pound baby if you can only put a third of a teaspoon into them every two hours, uh, you want that milk to be high calorie, high fat, high protein. So we... well, I said, uh, this is a science. There's there's a biz. We talked about the business. You're talking about research labs. You've got a whole, uh, you know, and you delivery. What is it that you don't do? It's incredible. The business you're running. It's a. It's a. You've got a. You've got a kingdom. Well, it's it's a niche it. for so sure, it's and uh, it's and there's a lot to it. But yeah. it's. Uh, I, I think what makes it so great is is the moms and the donors and the people who receive are so grateful for the milk and the people who donate are also so grateful and, you know, I. Yes, I run the milk bank, but it's the staff we have are phenomenal. I mean, we're a charity, so they're here because they want to be here. And, you know, they're not they're not making the big bucks for sure, but um, they they love being here. Well, it's, it's incredible the fight. That, it's not a fight, but the incredible uh, contribution to the, the community. So I want to I want to touch on that last point here I've got on the community. You must have, you said eight to 10 years or eight, let's say eight years. Those, some of those kids have grown up. There's mothers and fathers and they've, they've had brothers and sisters. Do you get some of those stories? And, uh, you know, the, yeah, the we, do, we back, do get a lot of stories and um, yeah, we get a ton of those stories and it's, it's amazing. You know, most of these babies are very healthy and, you know, they've attained the best health that they can yeah. And uh, we do, we have a lot of followers that come back and chat with us. You know, um, we have um, our poster child right now is LJ and um, LJ, uh, he was born a a couple years ago now and he developed cancer at two months of age. So he had to go through chemo and of course mom couldn't produce because of the stress she was under. So um, she actually was directed to us uh, through a doctor. So 
we were actually able to supply her with milk and LJ, um, they shrunk his tumor in his liver and, but they couldn't, uh, they couldn't remove it. So they actually had to uh, take out his liver. And of course you need a liver to survive. So his dad was a perfect match. Yeah. So they, they took a piece of dad's liver and they uh, implanted into LJ and, you know, we see him, uh, we see him all the time, you know, and it's, it's just so great to see he's a, he's a normal, healthy, well-developing two-year-old boy who's into everything. So those are, those are very special moments for us. Uh, when we have these families come back, it's not, it's not just one touch point. We, we see these babies and these children for a long time and the parents and it's, it's quite lovely, Alan. It's just very gratifying to see we've made a difference. No, it's very emotional as well. And I, I, I imagine some of those emotions, oh, it, it's yeah. probably hard. It's, even we, we do a lot of crying here for sure. Or... And, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's usually we're very happy and, but sometimes we're sad because, you know, it's uh, not, not everybody makes it. So it's, uh, yeah. Well, it's very real and it, it, it's very real at the same time those emotions are real and you know the work you're doing is very real I, you know there's the words i can use that in, to describe everything the fundraising is real the, the the mothers you talk to are real like it's it's not just as you you know putting some formula together and very detached it's, it's got well so you know i always uh equated to so. it's not it's you know it's not like uh you know it's not like a and not knocking the food bank, they're great. But for these babies, you know, they, they are eating the same food, one food, and they're eating it eight, 10 times a day. And if it's not the right food, you can see how they, it can impact their health, right? And they, they can't say, hey, I don't like that. It's giving yeah. me an upset stomach, right? We just keep feeding, feeding. If they cry, we feed them again. And actually, then we eventually find out, you know, what the, the, what we're feeding them is damaging them. And so that's, that's why human milk is so important. We know it's good for them. We know it's not going to upset them and it's going to give them the, the best chance at optimal health. And uh, like I said, it's, it's not just food. It's also a medicine. You know, I, and, and I, so we lived overseas and I want to share that because you mentioned about the mothers, you know, the breastfeeding from, it was very important. My mother, she, my mother, my wife and the, you know, the coming from Eastern Europe. And that was just a big part of our life. It just was, it just, it just existed. And I think I, we come back to Canada after many years overseas and our girls rarely, yes. and you know, knock on wood or what he would say, they don't get sick. They hardly get, they hardly get sick. And I'm not, I'm not going to say we did this perfect world, but I'm like, wow, I see a lot of allergies out there and I see a lot of people fighting. <laughs> and I don't ask them, did you breastfeed when you were six months old? But you know, it's kind of a natural question. Yes, I, yeah, and and, and you're question. right. It's it's just I, you know, it is really for the optimal health. We always don't know what that scorecard looks like when they're very young, and uh, but we eventually do find out if you know things like, um, you know, allergies develop or illness, and uh, and again, you know, I always I always like to drive home is you know this is something. This is their sole food for six months, and. Uh, you know, sometimes moms can't breastfeed yeah. and I get it. You still have to feed the baby. Right. And, uh, but, uh, if you do have the opportunity to breastfeed, it really breaks my heart that, you know, some moms choose to, to still use formula. It is their choice. 
but it's uh, it's such an opportunity that you're giving up to, you know, we spend we spend two months researching strollers uh, to get the best stroller, and if if we put that if we put that effort yeah, into that's breastfeeding, right. I I think we would have a healthier community. But uh, you know, sometimes I recognize that's not always possible. And no, but I, that's but there's your there's right there's a poster child. We spend six months or two months getting the pan, the yeah. pram and the, the all that room ready, right? Yeah, so yeah. A couple of days researching what we're doing. You know, it's for the baby's health. Because to the point, I've had, you know, again, there's another change I've seen over the last uh, few years is the number of different, you know, uh, I think, you know, things for the gut health. Oh, the microbiome. Yeah, health, that's, that's diets, a whole new area of research we're involved with is, right. is setting up your gut for life. And there's a lot of research right here in going on and and you know alan uh, to your point is you're right um you know if some parents spend some time just looking into the value of donor milk but also too you know coming from europe um a lot of times you've got generations of family so you've got support to help you with that you know calgary is kind of new a lot of families are on their own and maybe their mom didn't breastfeed or their grandmother, right. and you know, they may not have that support. And I think that's where a healthcare system is failing. You know, we give, we give classes, but you know, where's the help, you know, three days after you get home. So you call and you book a time and it's the next week. And it's like, okay, I've only got 90 more feedings to go through and I'm having trouble. And and I think that's where, as, <laughs> as a society, we fail is those moms need those support immediately. You know, they don't need it next week. And, and I think we've got a lot of work to, to do for that. Yeah, I, mean, that, that I read book, that book. <laughs> what to expect when you're expecting. This should be one of those, you know, those should be one of those things by the, because it's by the, you know, the, the ones that are expecting. And that's yes. nine months of, of, of getting everything prepped. And maybe this is a literature that needs to be, you know, and the, you talk about immigration and people coming to Cal Calgary is pretty migratory and it's grown in population due to migration or immigration. You know, maybe there's a point there. New, yeah. Are you a new family to Calgary? Right. And maybe that's one of those, the, you know, the ad you run and, and just yes. sort of say, are you thinking yes. about breastfeeding? Right. And just whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm and and in their language, you know, and knowing their it. customs, I mean, that. That I think that's so important too, yes. because not not everybody looks at it the same, and you know not so it's and not everybody wants to expose no. themselves to a stranger that comes through the door. So there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done on that just to just support our new moms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for example, if you're Muslim, there's no man. You can't have a male yeah. doctor involved in this or whatever. You know, there's there's that side. Mm -hmm. Where's and that's the immigrant families or whatever they're coming. So. I, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of touching points there as well that right. could, could help families that aren't aware, you know, the new, and there's a lot of programs for and I, I, different people I've talked to over the last few months is there's programs for new immigrants coming, getting to work and, and adjusting to, you know, where are they now kind of thing. But this could be one of them, you know, getting that they're not aware of these things because maybe it wasn't, it didn't exist. Right. It, it likely doesn't yeah, exist. You're correct. In a lot of places it doesn't world. exist in a lot of, um, a lot of other countries. And if it does, they, they may not, you know, oftentimes you're not aware of it until you have a baby 
And, um, and then once you find out, you know, a lot of my, our moms find out too late, you know, we get a lot of, oh my gosh, if I knew, if I only knew, you know, when my baby yeah. was first born. So sure. yeah, there's a lot of growth to happen all around. But, you know, Jeanette, I get literally, and I think of my own, how I felt contacting you and I'm thinking, should we talk about mother's milk? And I'm like, I, I don't feel at all that this is a, a, a taboo subject, but you know, probably what and I remember grow, you know, working as a professional downtown and it was kind of like there was somebody would. Yeah. Me and like, yeah. I think, I think it's taboo, really changing right? now. Um, so, Alan, it's just, I mean, you're always going to get people who are uncomfortable with it. Right. It's, it's gross. I want you to cover up, go to the bathroom. Yeah. And you know what? I, there's a lot of work that needs to be done around there. I know in uh, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, a few years ago, what they did is they put a picture of a mom breastfeeding her baby on a, on a bench uh, on a waiting for a bus. And, you know, it's just things like that. You know, we just get, yeah. we need to get used to seeing it other than in porn movies or, you know, um, if you're advertising a bikini or whatever, I mean, you, you can put a woman up there with hardly any clothes sure. on and it looks appropriate, but you put a woman there breastfeeding and a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. And, uh, or if you're at a pool in Edmonton, if you're at a pool in Edmonton and somebody, you know, starts breastfeeding their baby, I mean, they still get kicked out of pools, right? Like they're always pulled out. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But now you so now you see commercials, mainstream commercials, and you know they're yeah, yeah. Why is that okay? <laughs> I mean, that yeah, know, yeah, that's you right. Know, you can talk about that. So yeah, it's uh, and mean? and all you're doing is like it's a necessity for a baby, right? Like for a, a young baby, you can't say, "Oh, wait till I get home," right? They're they're hungry. You feed them. It's so huge. yeah, that's it's funny. Huge. Well, Jeanette, I really thank you for taking the time today. And I, you know, how, look, I know you've, you mentioned something about you've done some, there's been features yes. on Calgary Herald. I think you mentioned CBC. Is it? Well, they and, can and, just Google are, us. You know, um, people, how you do they just find put, you? Uh, you know, Milk Bank Calgary and we'll come <laughs> up. So it's, uh, it's there. And uh, yeah. if you look for it, it's there, but it's just, you just have to know about it to look for it. So, yeah. Do you have one of those classic delivery, you know, those little milk, the square kind of, you know, I don't know, foothill, whoever it was in the old days, but you know, those alpha milk, remember? And, and there was a square thing, almost like we the don't. ice cream truck. <laughs> you have one of those for delivery? We don't. <laughs> you know, but that's a, the, the classic, the guy would open the side. Yeah, door, yeah, no. And, and you know what, if, um, anyway, as far I, as finding out more information, um, you can go to uh, www.northernstarmilkbank.ca. And, and that'll bring you directly or Instagram or yeah. um, you don't use Twitter that much, but it's basically all of social media and we'll, we'll pop up. But I can think I can just hear, I can see your, your uh, TikTok video. Where, yeah. You know, the kids are talking, people, kids are talking about this stuff, right? And this is important. And the generational gap where the boomers are the conservative ones who didn't want to, as you said, to the point about getting kicked out of the pool and it's okay. Are you feeding, you know, that, you know, I mean, you could run that kind of stuff because it's people are running it for other things, uh, Viagra pills or whatever. And they're, they're running those ads. So why not, you know, why not go red, to, go attack them, hit them where, yeah. hit them where the heart <laughs> is or, you know, that, that I think you, you can do that. But it, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I'm giving I'm giving you permission because you've done it anyway. It's there. I look. I think your website, the social media side, Instagram, you're out there. You're burying your your. You know, I want to say that, but yeah, like, literally, you are burying your breast, right? Yeah, it's, it's it there, is. I think it's very important. It's so so important. it's just uh, and important for people to, you know, be familiar with it, get used to the fact, even saying the word, and and uh, we have these uh, great little um, squeeze squeeze balls with our name on it, saying donate now. <laughs> and guess what? The squeeze ball is. It's uh, yeah, it's a breast. <laughs> yeah, breast. breast. Oh gosh! Well, you get those. You know those. You know these give out those uh, corporate functions when I was stress I was ball. Like, yeah, like a squeeze ball. Yeah, and it was unearthed or some kind of you know, stress yeah. balls, yeah. right? Well, there you go. <laughs> you can add that one to the mix. So, well, and I, I want to. I just want to leave with the one last because you've got. I see them both. Amber, wait, is it Amber? And oh, the Asher. twins with their with Asher. their onesies on. There's Isn't two, that the best so picture? <laughs> yeah, they're twins. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, they're twins. Okay. But, oh, you just, I mean, there's pictures, these babies. They, oh, you they know, really I do. can't Asher remember. That was a few too. years ago, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't well, see that one. I'm sorry. It's, maybe, um, but it's just, and they're wearing some kind of t-shirt. Yeah, it's eat local. And so once a, once a mom donates um, her milk, her first is. deposit, we we give the, we actually had those donated to us from a, a local business. And uh, we just got uh, eat local uh, actually uh, screened on it. And it's, it's wonderful. And the parents take pictures, the moms take pictures yeah. and send them back to us. And we have people who would want to buy them, but oh, we go. reserve them for our donors. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Well, you know, because I thought it was local laundry, and I don't know if that's who don't who makes your shirts, but local laundry was Connor Kerr, and he was a, he's a past. And I wanted to, I was going to comment that on the, I, I didn't want to, you know, whoever your supplier of those jerseys are, or the shirts, or the, you know, but it was, so I'm just saying local laundry. Oh, okay. Be, yeah, it wasn't local laundry. It was actually somebody before, who sure uh, changed direction yeah. and uh, went out of business. And so they actually went to the, um, uh, to uh, a local charity and they said, well, we don't need them, but hey, why don't you contact these guys? And so they did and they gave us 3,000 of them. So it, it's wonderful. They'll keep us for a little while. Well, when you run out, there's Connor Curran from Local Laundry, and they, they do they do garments, and they source kind of. A, I learned from him the bamboo. They use bamboo, which grows plentiful in BC. Maybe the milk you can't contribute milk there, but you can get the. But oh, they use wow, bamboo that would to be make nice the, the shirt, some of their <laughs> textiles. So, yeah. And the, the oh, wow. they okay. are like you said, they're ultra soft down. and ultra durable. So I'm just we're, we we. We're, we switch topics, but it's really relevant to your for Asher and Hope that are on your website and on your Instagram handle. So, literally on that note, Jeanette, thank you so much, and thanks, uh, Alan. Thank you for bringing this. This has been a terrific podcast. Okay, you and Jeanette, great. Jeanette thanks Marie, for the opportunity well to um, educate people about what we do. Okay, you too. Thanks, My pleasure, Alan. and you know, Jeanette, stay Bye. safe.